Department would like to remind you that backpacks and other large containers are subject to random search by the police. Thanks for riding with us. like the sort of the chrysalis thing around bus butterflies and that sort of idea of transformation. That's a good point. I never thought of that, actually. Because the mariposas transform. Oh, see? I never thought of I'll just be honest with you. I never thought of that. The reason why we chose Les Monarcas de Barro is because butterflies migrate. And they migrate from Mexico all the way uh, north. I think all, all the way, like, west, northwest. And there's no borders that stop them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when we put Les Monarcas de Barro, Les actually is a gender-inclusive form of the. So in Spanish, Spanish, you have feminine and masculine tense. Um, so Les is that inclusion for all genders. Monarcas is butterflies. And Barro is the name that traditional communities use to describe clay. Barro, which in English means mud. And again, that is the connection to the earth, and that's how they've always seen it. And um, we see ceramics is very, very like miles, not even miles, like in millions of miles away from what that is. So part of what we do is to draw that connection together and really stress that, explain to folks that there's more to ceramics than just like your own thing, you know. One of the first like pillars of our, of our like mission is to bring traditional pottery knowledge to contemporary spaces. But as we began to really think about what we want to do, really what we want to do is to be able to open doors for black and brown folk to be able to practice ceramics. And not just, just like play with clay, but use those spaces as a space of reflection to build conscientiousness and ultimately result in political action. I can look in different ways. It could, you know, it could it could be like spreading tenant knowledge, like, oh, you can't be evicted without, you know, an actual court order. It could be a lot of different things. Things come up as you're in a community and you discuss things like, oh, you know, what affects you? What are the inspirations for your piece? But in general, stepping back, what we try and do in our traditional workshops with studios, um, with organizations, is show that ceramics is not just like, I'm going to go in, I'm going to put my headphones and just like, I'm going to do no one exists and my art is the only analysis that really matters. Um, meanwhile, you have people next to you who could possibly be at the point of eviction that can't pay rent. So we try and bring that into ceramic spaces to show actually, traditionally in different places, it's a collective. And having that collective, having that community is something that Many people in this country go without because we don't we don't care to talk about that. We talk about the individual, my rights, mine. Like I have mine and nothing else matters. So, you know, we try and foster that in spaces. You, you, sometimes people come, you know, to a class from all different parts, you know, of the world and everyone's like, okay, I don't talk to anybody, like I don't talk to anybody and then... You know, I come along, how you doing, folks? Welcome to our workshop. And it's like, everyone is going to talk, I assure you. <laughs> and people enjoy it. And um, having that sense of community, really, you like leave coming like, wow, like, I don't know, I feel like I'm, I'm a, little, a little lighter. So 
you know, we we believe in the magic of of what we do, and uh, you know, we. Tree of Life is a traditional um, artisanal piece from Mexico. Make it in a small town. Donde tradicionalmente, desde como desde los años 40, la llevan haciendo esa comunidad específicamente. Traditionally, since the 40s, they've been making this piece. Entonces, ellos tienen pues a través de esta pieza una narrativa sobre su cultura, su cosmogonía. Through this piece, they describe essentially what their understanding is of the universe and their understanding of uh, the earth. Y algo interesante sobre este tipo de piezas que se hacen en comunidades tradicionales de alfareros. One of the interesting things that uh, comes out of these traditional pieces that come from traditional potters son el trabajo comunitario. Is the collective work, the community work that goes into these pieces. Como ellos pueden, la mayoría de estas comunidades lo que hacen es que hay una persona encargada de hacer la base, otra persona hace las pequeñas figuras, otro es el que pinta, otro es el que pone en el fuego. So what you end up with when they're making these pieces, you have one person that is in charge of making the base, and then you have other folks who are in charge of making small little figurines to attach. You might have other folks who are in charge of painting or styling. Uh, you may have some folks that throw it into the kiln or, or mm -hmm. wood fire, or, or and uh, it becomes really a collective piece, uh, a work of many hands. So you try and make change wherever you can, you know, and, and we've been happy doing this work because when we have folks from our community come and practice, we see the most beautiful thing. We just had a workshop with a woman named Milagro. Milagro I've actually, I've known for a long time. I have to text her back at some point because I have to help her fill out some electronic forms. She's my neighbor. Uh, we've marched together many times for stimulus relief uh, for immigrants. We've marched for driver's licenses for all in New Jersey. Uh, we've marched for labor rights. Um, we've marched for domestic workers. Uh, she's an incredible woman and, you know, we finally were able to get her to a workshop and you know, Milagro had a stroke, actually, and she shared with us, she was like, you know, I wasn't, like, so comfortable making something myself, but in the Tree of Life workshop, you know, she put on a plate, on, like, a little small, like, clay plate, she put the name of her son, and her son has a cerebral palsy, very severe cerebral palsy, and they've told her, like, your son will not live past X, your son will not live past Y, your son will not live past C. And she goes, this is for my son, who's a fighter and a champion and like a warrior. And um, it's beautiful. Después de, de este pueblo de La Chamba, que fue una experiencia muy bonita. After La Chamba. Eh, fui, aprendí con las personas en Ráquira, Boyacá. 
I went to go learn with the people of uh, Rakira in Boyacá. Y ellos tienen una historia eh, donde la olla como objeto se cambió por las materas, como pots donde poner plantas. They would uh, describe a process where pots would... would como una vez más, estoy confundida. <laughs> donde las ollas para cocinar mm -hmm. se cambiaron por, eh, para plantar matas. Como ¿Qué es matas? Plantas. Ah, oh, ok. ¿Y que era un proceso? No entiendo. ¿Qué es? Lo que pasa es que al principio ellos hacían ollas para cocinar, okay. pero la industria empezó a sacar ollas de metal. Got it, perfect, I got it. So, uh, in this village, essentially, traditionally, they would make pots to cook with. And these pots that they cook with, they would sell, and they would live by it, and they would live well, because they were good mm -hmm. workers, and they were very skilled, and they were talented, and they would take time to paint and make beautiful designs. Naturally, as capitalism comes in, any kind of expression is just like out the window. Why would you have that, right? You, we just need metal pots that we can da 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 sell out. So basically, they're stronger. They don't break. You know, very industrialized. So that resulted in very much like a change in, in how they would support themselves. Because they were they were living from this, right? These are entire communities that are living from this. So they really shifted. They really they really shifted a lot. I remember the video. You know, they really started to use molds, mm -hmm. right? And, and they began to make pots for planting, really, like planting pots or for putting Pero things in. Pero esto fue porque los artesanos empezaron a darse cuenta que las personas estaban usando las ollas que se rompían para poner plantas. Ya mm -hmm. no las usaban para cocinar. So essentially, people were using the pots that they had as soon as they broke for plants and things. So they saw that as like an opportunity to try and make pots specifically that people would Entonces, use Entonces, para intentar things. salvar como la tradición de la alfarería en este pueblo, eh, decidieron como moverlo a este producto de las, de, para plantar, bueno, plantar plantas. Mm -hmm. So essentially, to keep their work and their culture alive, Uh, they shifted over to making uh, different kinds of plants and, and began to employ different uh, methods like molds and, and things like that. Whereas, you know, before, you know, things were made kind of by hand. Y este pueblo sigue como, como en esa lucha entre, hay una gran presencia de cerámica industrializada con moldes a presión y como moldes por, eh, con estuit, por mm -hmm. ejemplo. You say it one more time? Que en este pueblo ahora hay una dinámica muy industrializada. That, ya dije eso. Ah, okay. Sí, básicamente ya dije eso. She's saying that <laughs> in, in this uh, community, in Boyaca now, it's, it's really converted into more of like a production. And it has as a result of just needing to y survive. Pues, los artesanos que hacen a mano todavía ya se están como luchando muy duro para poder sobrevivir con lo que hacen. Porque es más costoso y menos rentable. Uh, and the artisans that currently exist there, you know, have this like internal struggle, right? Because they need to eat, they need to like survive, but the way that they do ceramics is not just like, oh, I, I do it this way. The way that they do pottery and they, they work with el barro represents the history of who they are and what they stood for. And a lot of their pieces represent their entire history, the way that they make them, the traditional techniques that they use. And it very much has come under threat as a result of this kind of capitalist industrialization of pieces. So, Otra cosa es que 
eh, digamos, las familias tradicionales de alfareros. The ellos, traditional pottery families. Ellos tratan como de enseñarle a sus hijos, a sus nietos. They try and show their kids, their nephews. Pero como ellos, estas personas jóvenes ven que es tan difícil vivir de este oficio, es como muchos se desplazan a las ciudades o terminan migrando a otros países o, y ahí es donde es lo triste que el oficio se pierde ¿no? esa tradición so the artisans try and show their children their, their you know their grandchildren some of this work and how to do it but unfortunately many see that the existence is just like hard like you, you don't you're not going to have like a ton of money like it, it will be really hard you'll work often for little So many of them leave. Many of them leave to the big cities, and that's kind of like a big tragedy, right? Because there's no way to, you know, it's, it's a risk of losing that art. Entonces, ese es como el otro lado de la cerámica, que no es como tan de solo para divertirnos, sino que, que ocurre detrás de estos oficios, personas que realmente viven de esto día a día. And this is like an incredible, powerful thing. It really is a powerful thing, and... You know, as communities here in the U.S. take their classes, hand building one, hand building two, wheel throwing one. These communities that are still there are still there living from this. And it is so beyond just like, let's play with clay. It is a representation of who they are. And that's reflected in every single culture that does clay work. In some way or another, you'll see mountains of, of where they live. You'll see rivers. You'll see pictures of the deities that they believe mm -hmm. in. And in a way, right, like these young people that leave their home is colonization. Like they cannot live from what they do. So now they're forced to go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the result is a, a, an ended of the tradition. And we really believe that most immigrants, you know, experience hardship and they lose their ancestral homes. They lose the earth that is behind they they lose that autonomy of being able to determine what they want their land to look like and ultimately it always gets steamrolled because of money and desire so here when we try and bring clay back to communities we believe it is a restoration of the literal earth in their hands to mold as as they desire and we we encourage that in the same way they mold the earth and they have that in their hands that they can mold the reality in front of them, however it looks like. And they don't have to do it alone. It can be collective. You never know, like, these ways that they, people can be connected. And, you know, there's so much behind ceramics beyond hand-building one, hand-building two, <laughs> yeah. wheel throwing one. We, uh, we met at Central Park. Um, we like went on a date, and uh, that's that's kind of where we like met, and um, it was totally cool. And she just shared with me, you know, like any any date. She like, oh, what do you do? What do you what are your passions? And she told me she was a ceramist, and she told me that she had this uh, like proposal that she was like try she'd been trying to get into studios. She was trying to do her work and. Mm -hmm. She was feeling disappointed because everyone was like, nope, no, I don't need, thank you. And I'm sure they heard her accent. Like, what am I going to do with you? You can't even speak English, right? Like, mm -hmm. and she was just feeling discouraged. And she finally like got like one possible proposal. And uh, she was depending on a friend of hers to translate. And um, she just like wasn't answering the phone at that point. <laughs> and she's like, listen, I know I just met you. 
but can you help me? Like, can you help me translate for this proposal? Y cuando conocí a Kevin, eh, Kevin me contaba como todo el trabajo que estaba haciendo con una organización local de Nueva Jersey, donde él vive. And when I met Kevin, he told me all about uh, the work that he did locally for an organization here. Que era, bueno, yo le hice una pregunta como, ¿cuáles son unas de tus pasiones? And he, she, she asked me, she, she asked me a question, she's like, what are some of your passions? Y yo esperaba que me dijera, oh, cantar, o, o ir a jugar con, no sé, mis amigos, o cosas como eso. She thought I was going to say singing, or hanging out my friends, just like normal stuff. No, y que me dice como, eh, luchar por los derechos de, mis, de mi comunidad. <laughs> And then Kevin goes, without skipping a beat, fighting for the interests of my community. <laughs> Ahí, yo quiero uh, esa like, there it is, there it is. That's... Yes. Grassroots organizing for two years through pandemic. Actually, when pandemic happened and everything closed, um, our organization scrambled to get the a categorization you needed to continue to work, and we continued to work all through pandemic. And not just like serving immediate needs, but advocating for legislation to cover stimulus relief because folks here that didn't have socials didn't get stimulus. Uh, there were labor violations everywhere, and people people dying as a result, you know, of not keeping social distance and way before vaccines were around. And, uh, you know, I, I did all that work just, just like very proudly, you know, like I, I felt as though like I was there to, to serve. I don't know, at the time it, I felt, I felt like the world is going insane. Like my existence individually, like matters only within the context of serving my community. And it, it was really like a wonderful thing. So I honestly am kind of a little bit one-dimensional, like a tiny bit. No, I wouldn't say one-dimensional, because I do talk about other things aside from social change. <laughs> but ultimately, a lot, like a lot of my time is spent like organizing meetings or just like <laughs> meeting with other people. And so a lot of Les Monarcas de Barro is like based in that community organizing work. And we really combined Vanessa's like incredible, incredible talent and some of the organizing work that I have done to do what we do now. And ultimately, I, we feel like it is an organizing venture. And when we enter the spaces, we enter them unabashedly. We know that we belong in these spaces. We know it is justice and it is equity for us to have our hands on these spaces. And we're, we're bold with it. We're, we're, not, we're unflinching at this point because studios exist and they, and they have memberships and they make money. And they're all white spaces. Many of them are white spaces. And immigrants in this country are in such a horrible position. I mean, we maintain a caste system for them to maintain them working in the positions that they work in. No social, no real job. No social, no unemployment. No social, no mm -hmm. stimulus. And no salud. <laughs> no health. We personally, we fight on many fronts. I mean, we fight for abortion access. I think we're going to a housing, housing march on Friday. So we try and make change where we can. But at least in this space specifically, you know, I think initially when we would walk in, we'd be like, oh, hi, we're, we're so-and-so. Not anymore. Not anymore. We, we deserve <laughs> to have access to that space. And, you know, we're not going to be ashamed of our identities. You know, I, I think some folks maybe believe in art as just like this abstract thing. Um, and we reject that. We reject that very strongly um, because art is not just, oh, I'm going to make this and it's pretty. While, while the person down the street is suffering from hunger. It's an injustice. And art needs to be used, as all things need to be used, we're called to serve and 
help those who are marginalized. And in this case, we're helping ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're helping ourselves and our community really get there. And that's where really change happens, when things are driven from the back, from the marginalized. When things are done on behalf of someone, it's like, oh, these poor immigrants, I'm going to help them out. And then as <laughs> soon as things become inconvenient, they drop you. That's actually happened to us a few times, you know. It's, uh, it's not always easy doing this work, you know, like anything else. You know, some people are less respectful than others. But, um, you know, we do this work for the community that we serve. And, uh, you know, you know, allies are, are going to be essential until, you know, our own communities, until immigrant communities can gather the resources to have our own studios and have our own spaces and do it in such a way that's ethical. Unfortunately, we know a few studios that are, are run by, like, you know, black and brown folk, but there's this focus on, like, money and profit and things like that. And it can get very messy very quickly. And... I do understand there's a reality to needing to like budget, but we are dreamers. 